you all are uh, brave coming out again on Christmas. It's like, you know, two hours ago we left, and now here we are back, ready for more. We're wrapping up the unexpected Messiah. So, well, you know, we're running out of 2022, December, the series, and we start afresh. January 1, which is next Sunday. Isn't that crazy? Whole new year, whole new thing. Well, you got a chance to uh, see gifts, wrap things up, and then uh, this morning or last night, somewhere in the course of the last little bit, you've opened some. And so what was wrapped and hidden from you is now revealed. So that's where we are with the Messiah. We've talked about Jesus and and the build-up, what was expected, what wasn't seen, what was seen, what... The, the people of that time saw, and now we are going to go back. We're going to back this thing up even earlier and see Jesus um, in his, uh, his God state and the things that he did prior to being born as a baby because that whole eight-and-a-half-pound baby thing, you know, it gives us a different sense and a different feeling about who he is. So we're going to go and take a look at these pre-incarnate engagements when Jesus would come. He is, he is Yahweh. He is the God of the Old Testament. He is the one who appears, he is the figure in the Old Testament that shows up at important turns. He communicates with the people. He does amazing things. He's sometimes called the angel of the Lord or the commander of the Lord's host or the Lord's armies. He is, uh, through the pages of the Old Testament, uh, on the person who shows up to make things happen. So, we're going to look at this one. The Lord showed up, Genesis chapter 18. This is Abraham. So he has this meeting, and he's just he's just minding his own business. So, this is 1 through 15. The Lord appeared again to Abraham. And you go, okay, again. So he's been there. Yeah, he knows he knows him, and he and. And when he's talking about the Lord, he's talking about Yahweh. He's the God of heaven is showing up. Near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up, noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do, do as you've said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd, chose a tender calf, and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. 
When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where's your, where's Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked, and she's inside the tent. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. It's a bummer. Try to lie to the Lord, and he kind of knows what your thoughts are. No getting around that one. So the Lord shows up. Abraham recognizes this is the Lord. So we've got a couple of angels. And just think about the story. How many wings did they each have? Sticking out of the robes. None. Are they just spirit, wispy little beings that, that show up? Or can they sit down and enjoy a meal? Huh. So when we're told that we are to be aware of angels and that we could actually miss them when they come by, there's a reason for that. Because they can be looking just like everybody else. They just enter into your life. They may have a message from the Lord, which for many of us is just ignored because there's a crazy person just talked to me at Walmart. That was just nuts. I'm not talking that. I'm not going down aisle three again. That is just. So we miss it. Abraham was aware that the Lord communicates and he does that himself in this case, or he sends angels periodically as representatives. The word itself, angel, means messenger. So that's a, that's a being, a human being, or a heavenly divine being that's on a mission. Representing God, passing on a message, or helping uh, do something. So they may move something, guide, or uh, act in some, in some way. So this is the Lord showing up with Abraham. God the Father, Yahweh, because we have one God, and when we say one God, it's a, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, Yahweh on the throne, rarely uh, manifest. It will be Jesus, Yahweh, manifesting in human form or in, in another fashion that will appear to human beings, and that's what we have a record of. And we have the record so that we know that God is real, that he is involved, that he is looking out for people, that he has a plan. This is part of the plan. So you, so we're at Christmas, so we, we know the story of Mary. 
and and you have all kinds of people arguing about oh, there's no way that she was a virgin had a baby you know come on that's not even the tough part of this thing god decides to pick an old couple to start with and he says i'm going to build a family on earth this is going to be my my people and i'm going to start this thing out with an old couple incapable of having babies because they've never had them. They, they're, they're way down the road. So they're way past, they never had them, and they're way past the age of having them. And that's when God says, now it's right. Now it's perfect. Because it's beyond human ability. Otherwise, we think we did it. So he does it. He brings this about, and he says, you're going to have a baby? Of course, she chuckles in her head, and uh, that, which should give you a heads up. In case you have those, you know, I'm going to judge somebody and nobody can hear it because I'll keep my mouth shut. Somebody heard it, just just letting you know. So here we've got this impossible situation. You can't have babies, and then you do. We have, uh, as we go through the the lineage of Jesus, we keep running into, this is a situation that's impossible. Here's a woman who can't have a baby. They don't have children. Oh, and then now, now they do. Wait a minute. What, what is it that God's doing in this situation? Most of the time we go, well, I've just been ripped off. God hates me. Why does he treat me so horribly? I don't get to have what everybody else has. And you go, huh. It may not be what you think it is because his plans don't fit everybody else's plans. His ways are higher than our ways. And this is one of those instances. He shows up. He's talking to Abram. Abraham goes, okay. I'm sure he's thinking, I don't know what to do with this, but, you know, let's eat up. Eat up. Did you see that he sends out, he picks out a calf and he says, hey, get this thing ready. They're just sitting there. This is all happening that fast. We have trouble getting stuff out of the freezer and putting it in a microwave and going, man, that's taking way too long. And they knock this thing out. They just go get this ready while they're out there in the heat because they're still sitting under the tree. So it's not nighttime. Ah, you remember doing this with your, with your grand? Maybe you can do this. I remember going to my grand, grandmother or a great aunt down in Porter. We'd show up and, and just invade her house. And then both of them would do this. They'd just go out to the chicken pen. Chickens fly off the ends of their heads. And run around, and then they're plucked, and they're cooked, and we have dinner, and it's lunchtime, and you got mashed potatoes and the whole thing. You go, how did that just happen? Because we've got to run down to the store and get all that. That is so much work. It takes us almost longer to go do that than it does it did for them. So he got the calf ready. He's feeding them. This, when he tells Sarah to get this meal ready, this is a massive amount. I mean, to have just think... They have to hand grind to get the flour. Again, this is, this is no simple thing. Then they put it in their bags. We're in clay jars, and that's what their source is. And you probably know how our hospitality works sometimes. Well, I'll give you two pieces of bread, and, and that should be plenty for you because I'm looking out for your carbs and stuff. You know, I'm looking out for you. So here, Abraham says, go fix this is a mass. This is enough for an army. He said, I want you to take the best we've got 
and make bread. I mean, make some bread. Why would you do something like that? Just three guys. And he is so enthralled and honored to have the Lord stop by and, and to be able to serve, to be able to provide, and to give a meal. It's, just, it's a great story. It's a connection. We are told that in, in Revelation that we can have a, such a connection with the Lord. If he knocks on the door and we hear him knocking and we invite him in, that he will come in and sit with us and have a meal with us. That imagery is to convey the intimacy, the real closeness that we can have, that he's not kidding. He did that with Abraham. He does it more than once. And he really wants a relationship. It's not pretend. It's not, isn't that cute? He's saying, I want to come in and I want to have that kind of relationship with you and we go I didn't hear that door knocking or I don't know that I want to make that much bread or kill the fatted calf or maybe chintzy or I can give you maybe a couple of minutes but I got a lot going on the game's on I got stuff to do and we miss it we miss the opportunity and he's saying I just want to come in and get close and the revelation three is to all of us. Now, Abraham got the visit because he had to get, God was trying to get some things rolling here, and he had to have the kid because he'd promised him, you're going to have this huge number of people, and they're going to be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea, and he'd So that's, that's the visit. That one's pretty good, and, and you get the intimacy, the closeness, and he has other visits, and it Some of them get serious. Some serious ones are coming. But we're going to jump. So the Lord is the commander. So we're going to jump over to this one in Joshua chapter 5. At this point, the people of Israel, and there's a bunch of them by now, they've been down in Egypt. They have multiplied. And they were down there 400 years. There were 70 of them. Remember when they went down and then there's... Some people say maybe even a couple million when they come back out. So there's a bunch. There's a bunch of them. So they show up, and and they're getting ready to go across the Jordan into the promised land. So that's the next thing that's about to happen. And Joshua has now taken leadership. Moses has passed away shortly before this, handed the reins over to him. God says, I'm going to be with Joshua. Let's take the people into the promised land and and let them begin the process of of uh, clearing out those who have rebelled against God, who have turned their back on Him, and uh, begin to be. And they're, now they're going to be blessed by that process as well with the land that's going to produce for them and take care of them. So that's that's where we are. But Joshua is wandering around, going, "Okay, how do I do that?" And they've won some battles. They've already done some pretty good stuff getting to this point. And they've, they've seen God do amazing things. Joshua has not been the guy. So if you're promoted to the guy, and now you've got to take this crew in, and you're going, we're going against fixed uh, fortresses on the other side of the river. These guys 
They've defended themselves. They have thick walls on their cities. They know how to fight, and we're getting ready to walk in there. That, this is going to be tough. So that's where we are. In verse 13, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. That's the situation. He meets with the Lord, pre-incarnate Jesus, at that place. He's already met with Abraham, and he got things rolling. Then we're past Moses, and and. When you get to Exodus chapter 3 and Moses sees the burning bush, that's when he, when he goes over to get close to it and the Lord's in, in that bush and the flames are happening and he says to Moses, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. It's the same. So we're just getting, okay, this is, this is the same. We've got the same person happening here. Now in the burning bush, we've got Yahweh. We've got both Yahweh's. So we've got God the Father, God the Son, and sometimes when it's referenced back to talk about who was in the flame, and it will say the angel of the Lord. So the angel of the Lord is Jesus. So we've got the angel of the Lord, we've got Yahweh, we've got, and the same thing's happening on, on Mount Sinai. So when God comes from heaven and meets with Moses, it will be one, the other, both. And the references sometimes will be the law was handed down by angels or by the angel. Sometimes the law was written by the hand of God or we got this from God. And you get these references, you go, well, which was it? Yep, both, all of it, because this is the God, the triune God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And he's showing up in all of these different places and in and, and different ways. So the commander of the Lord's army says, I've got a plan for you, Joshua. And he's standing with a sword. So you think, well, this is going to be a really great military plan. The strategy will blow our minds, which it did. Just walk around the city once a day. Y'all, y'all just walk, take a stroll. And on the seventh, seven times, blow those trumpets and the walls will fall down. And everybody says, amen. Because every time we get instructions, read them in scripture, we get a Something from the Lord, well, you should go do this. And you go, that's just nuts. That won't work. Nobody does that kind of stuff. And, of course, your walls don't fall down, and now you know why. Just go do what he said and go see what happens. Because it is amazing. It's amazing how it un- unfolds. So he goes. He walks around the city, and uh, the walls come down. They go in. They take. You know, take the uh, take the city, take the people, save Rahab, who you know winds up being in the lineage of Jesus, the physical man Jesus part, and you go, whoa! There are so many things coming together here. This is really cool. So we're looking back. We see Jesus before he's born in a stable. 
we find out that he has been around a while. He's been communicating to people. He's been with them, taking care of them, leading them through all this time. It is just amazing. In Psalm 110, this is the Lord above all. The Lord, this is a line that Jesus uses later with great effect, but this is from the psalm. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So we're using the words for God Almighty. The Lord said to my Lord, you know, um, that's like, there are two of them. Uh-huh. One of them's going to be down here doing some physical fighting. He shows up. And when he shows up with his sword, it's bad news for people who have rebelled. The people, the divine beings, anybody who's turned their back rebelled against the Lord. That time's coming. But he's giving us a little heads up. He said, yeah, he's going to be in charge. And he's also giving us a clue as to his nature. The Lord said to my Lord, and he is the Lord above all, everyone else. Every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. It's coming. In Hebrews chapter 1, it begins with this. This is God the Son. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Three verses putting together God the Father, God the Son, in time, in eternity, both working, creating, making everything, and yet it's the Son who's communicating and is on the earth, has died on the cross, cleansed us from our sins, and risen from the dead. He has been seated at the right hand of Almighty God on high. All of that in three verses. He's wrapped it all up. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors. Yeah, those stories are in the Old Testament. You ever read the Old Testament and go, yeah, I'm not getting much out of this. Well, go read it again. It's filled with amazing information about who God is, how he works, how he interacts with people, his plan, where he's headed, how he works, how, how Jesus shows up, how the Holy Spirit engages people as well it's just, it's all it's just building you get to this one and you go okay yeah when he came and he walked on the earth he's giving us a, a another image another picture and and part of that plan was he wanted us he wanted to be part of us so that we could be part of the family of god and he joins us all together the the eternal and 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 we will become part of that, so we become immortal too, but but he enters into the mortal life so that he can raise us up to be part of it. 
He has done an amazing thing. But he's the one. He's, he's God. He radiates God's own glory. He's, he's the same. He's the God-man. So John, in his gospel, when he begins, he gives us that information. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, glory of the Father's one and only Son. He's put that all together. And when he begins that gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's putting all of that, all that's been created, it wouldn't have been created without him. It's the Word. And what is that Word? When God created, he spoke, and things came into being. When God said, we're going to go this direction, he spoke, things would happen. The Word is powerful, it is, well, Hebrews 4 tells us it's sharper than a two-edged sword because it, it, it's speaking God's truth and it carries with it the uh, power that just cannot be stopped. And he is that word and all that happened before, through all before time and into time, that's him. So when John starts, he's just going, I'm looking back. I'm looking at all this stuff that we have in the scriptures, and I'm going, wow, that's him. And in the beginning was the word, and now the word's become flesh, and he's dwelt among us. He's been with us, and now we're involved in this whole family with God that changes everything, and that's what he's invited us to be part of. So Jesus is revealed as we celebrate Christmas. We're looking at the revealing of him as the God-man. That's not his first show, not first rodeo. He's been here. He's been active. He's been engaging people. He's just not done. And then he shows up, like he says in Hebrews, because he was still alive you know, post in the first century, post-Jesus arrival. Now God has spoken to us through his son in a very powerful way. What we don't know is a lot of details about a, a lot of the things that that happen. You know, how do we understand a being, a supreme being, like that? Because we're stuck in our own heads, and only a handful of us have multiple personalities. So you know, we might understand it better. But for most people, it's like, no, I just I don't get it. How can and how can you be in one pl- more than one place at once? And how can you and all those kind of things? So we, it's a mystery that we don't know, and we don't know. We just can't wrap our heads around it yet because we haven't expanded our our uh, our abilities to to reckon with the eternal, with what God is who he is and what he's done and, and what's available uh, in him. And he, he has revealed himself. Another, this is probably a, a difficulty for 2,000 years down the road for Christians at this stage of the game. So he did that in the Old Testament. He did it up to Jesus. And like Hebrews says, long ago he spoke that way. Then in these days he spoke through the Son and we're done. So we have 2,000 years of Jesus being gone. And someday he's going to come back. And 
So now we're just gearing up for when we all go to heaven. He never said that he was not going to be around. He never said that. In fact, what he did say, he rose from the dead, and he says, I am with you always. Do you know what that word means? Even to the end of the age. So he comes in. He visits people, still visiting people, still shows up, still gives directions, still showing up to people who don't have a clue who he is. There are Muslims in the Middle East coming to Christ routinely because Jesus goes and visits them. And they're going, now, who are you? Because in the front of their book, it says, God, the Most High God, Allah, has no son. And then Jesus shows up, and that really rattles their cage. And they go, huh. So then they have to go find a Bible. Sometimes Jesus will tell them, I want you to go talk to this guy in this village, he's a missionary, he's a Christian, it's an underground church because they can't, if they you know, do something like what we've got here, they'll burn it down and kill everybody. So you, you don't do that. But he sends them to go visit with those guys and they, they get filled in on, okay, this is what happened. That's what Jesus came to do. And that's what the Bible has. And if you get, maybe you've seen some emails from, uh, I love, or yeah, I love Iran. I heart Iran, but. I love Iran, and, and they're trying to raise Bibles, get Bibles to the people and because they have a Quran. They, they have other writings from Muhammad, but they don't have Bibles. So when you have a fast-growing church in a place where Christians are not welcome, missionaries are not supposed to be there, churches don't exist, are not supposed to, and yet it's one of the fastest-growing churches in the world, guess who's showing up? Jesus is showing up. He's visiting people. He sends angels as well. He's got supernatural beings who are involved in this. So 2,000 years ago, he was born. That was important. There's a lot to that we don't have time to go into today, but the reason he had to be God and man. But he was here before. He's involved in creation. He's not gone now. He's still involved. He still comes to check on his church. He is the head of the church. You probably read that. He's the head of the church. Does that mean he doesn't really? That the Pope really is? No. He is the head of the church. He never gave that up. And he never said, I'm not around. Or that I won't just pop in one day. Or that I won't send an angel to come visit you. Because he is still revealing himself. That's what he did then. Just like opening those Christmas presents. And then you find out what's inside. Sometimes it's a karaoke machine. Which is pretty exciting. You just never know what you'll find. Revealed. This is what we we need to know. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Verse 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. There are things we don't know. 
But there are things we do. And the things that he's already given us are for us to obey, to actually pay attention to, and to follow through on. And then see what he does with that. Because he still, he still wants to come and sit down and have a meal under a shade tree or around a table. He's just looking for his friends. And we get to be that. Jesus has been revealed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, um, for Jesus. Jesus, thanks for coming. Thanks for putting up with us when we don't obey the things that you've already told us. And uh, keep us from getting so sidetracked on the things that you have not revealed that we miss out on the things that you have. Thank you for showing yourself to those back in the day and those around the world today. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself more and more to us who are here today or listening to this message, wherever they may be. We ask it in Jesus, his powerful and wonderful name. Amen.